Welcome back, everybody, to the wonderfully warming and safe arms of Poddywood. I am Steve Hester, and joining me, as always, is... Well, I don't know if I'm in the same vicinity as you, because it is freezing here, but I <laughs> am Andrew Roger Carson. Turn the heating up, man. Get some new double glazing. Well, I would love that, honestly. But to be honest, the weather just does not know what it is doing with itself today. I've got to go and pick my child up at three o'clock, and apparently that's when we are going to have the heaviest rain of the day. So, thank you, environment. Yeah, possibly, hopefully not. I mean, it's kind of all right where where I am. But if you come into this podcast, you're not here to talk about the weather, unless you're British, because it's what we do, isn't it? You're talk. You're coming here to talk about whether or not Steve actually watched last week's film. <laughs> you're getting better you are you're getting better i know i know you can tell i've had my coffees today oh god well i did watch the film and the film in question was dog day afternoon the the 1975 sydney lume al pacino movie so yes like uh last week when we did about schmidt i sat down with my girlfriend and uh, we watched it all last night which was uh monday as of recording Yes, the Monday night movie. Yep, the Monday night movie. Uh, okay, so we might as well just get straight into it, really. Throw yourself in there, Steve. Throw yourself. Okay, well, first of all, I didn't realise that um, that it, that Sidney Lumet actually was the one behind one of my all-time favourite movies, and this is going to come as no surprise. 12 Angry actually. Men? Yes. Of course. Yes, I, I saw his name come on the screen. I was there going, I know that name from somewhere. Where have I seen it? Where have I seen it? And then and then uh was just going through IMDB afterwards and boom, Twelve Angry Men. It's also one of my favourite films and was the inspiration for the film that kinda of got me noticed, a film called Cleansing, which I shot all in one room within the course of an hour. Yes. We ended up with loads of uh, loads of people from uh, from cleansing. We're going to be in uh, a certain certain movie project that you were going to be working on, wasn't it? So so what what what's happening with Rumble Rama? What what? So anyway, with Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Dog Day Afternoon uh, stars Al Pacino as a uh, as a bank robber, and there's him and his compatriot Sal, and they go into to rob a bank, only to find out that the the money isn't there; it's already gone. And just as they're about to make their escape turns out that the police have arrived and they end up getting into the siege situation with uh, with several hostages of the bank teller and the bank clerks and everything and uh, it's all about how they deal with being in the hostage situation how the police are dealing with the crowds outside and i really enjoyed it <laughs> i really did it's uh, a fantastic movie it was, it was a great choice as well uh, and not many people probably remember that this was actually a true story. It was. Well. Uh, it was based on 1972 robbery. Uh, the names have been changed, but the situation is more or less the same. And basically, the the Sonny character uh, in the movie, rather bravely for the time, and I'm surprised they kept it in, um, was married and uh, had uh, a gay lover. And the lover, who in the movie is called Leon, but in the uh, in real life, the completely different name. Eventually, uh, they did. He, he had a sex change operation. And Was it Leona? No, he he changed his name to Elizabeth. It's a good name. It's a cracking name. Um, the main plot centers around Pacino trying to get enough money to cover this exchange operation. 
among other things. But the way that it's shot and the way that it's acted is so fluid. And a lot of it was improvised. Yeah, a, a lot of improvisation, which is a surprise because Sidney LeMay usually shied away from improvisation. Mm. But with this, you know, he, he actually, you know, kind of stepped out of his comfort zone and allowed these actors to work in an improvisation style. It always taught me to trust in that improvisation style in the productions that I've had. You know, and, and they've generally made the films a hell of a lot better. I really enjoyed it. But it's one of those movies, I was looking through IMDb, and there is just a huge number of things about it which just make you go, oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I was uh, discussing this the other day with Neil, and I understand that Neil watched the movie again as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for one, and it's really sad, this was John Cazale's last performance, uh, who played Sal. Yeah. And it was re- Al Pacino really fought for John Cazale uh, to play that role, even though he was a lot older than the actual Sal c- character was in real life. Yeah, Sal was about uh, 18 and John Cazale was about 31, 32. Yes. And, you know, it, it's a real sad story about John Cazale, who's one of probably the greatest actors who didn't have a lot of um, movies. I mean, obviously he played... Um, I almost said... Uh, Frodo, and it's not Frodo. It's Fredo. Fredo, <laughs> Fredo in uh, the Godfather movie. You must movies, take the ring Pacino. to Mordor. Okay, <laughs> you gotta take the ring. <laughs> Keep the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, he were, you know he died of cancer um, not long after. I think it was uh, a, a really strange scene where he's uh, chastising a woman for smoking because of you know getting the cancer and then he died of cancer not long afterwards which you know gives this kind of chill when watching it but the biggest surprise of it is uh, that it was almost not Al Pacino in that role because he he didn't want to take the role on because he was suffering really bad from exhaustion from The Godfather Part 2 and I think he initially had turned it down and only became interested in the role again when apparently Dustin Hoffman was being sourced for that role. What a different movie that would have been. I cannot imagine <laughs> Dustin Hoffman playing Sonny. Oh. No, no, I'm going to I'm gonna rob a bank. Definitely rob a bank. Yeah, going to rob a bank. Attica, Attica. Attica, Attica. Yeah. Definitely Attica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, you know what? You know what movie this actually reminded me of. Go on. It's one which I've seen beforehand. It was made much later, um, so obviously you can tell that it took its influences from Dog Day Afternoon, and that was Airheads. <laughs> Never before have these two movies probably <laughs> been linked together. Why not? That you know, they're both uh, movies where a hostage situation goes wrong. They're both uh, full of Stockholm syndrome, likable characters that you actually want to succeed before it all goes wrong. And you know, the the actions of the police are fairly similar. And there's even the bit, like you said, the Attica bit, where Al Pacino's out out front yelling Attica, Attica. Which... Oh, and Steve Buscemi's out the front grabbing his crotch and stuff no, like that. No, well, he's he's out there shouting about Rodney King. Yeah, you know what? I have never put that together before. So all we needed now is to find out that they wanted to play their record 
on the the air so that they could fund Adam Sandler's sex change. (laughs) One of my favourite nuggets of information, there's two actually. One is that just outside the bank across the road, there's a Moe's Tavern. (laughs) I know what you're going to say here. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, was then part of the influence for Moe's like in The Simpsons and uh, Hank Azaria. Uh, apparently based the voice loosely on Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Most Tavern. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the other one is uh, going back to the Adams family that we mentioned just before we came on air when we were just having a little chat when we were getting set up. Uh, Judith Molina and Carol Kane, who plays... Um, Sonny's mum and uh, one of the, the girls who work in the bank, I can't remember her name, both played Grandma in the first two yeah. Adams Family movies. Wow, you know, I, that completely skipped over my head. And I, I just remembered, because I watched it also, that Carol Kane was in the movie. But I didn't even place that they're both grandmas from the Adams Family were in that movie. That well, is I did, crazy. I didn't either until I went on to IMDb afterwards. Um, but the... One of the weirdest things uh, of art imitating life actually happened this week, and you probably don't know about this one, because I didn't know until uh, going to bed last night. Or do I? You never know. Uh, about, th- where, what day are we on now? We're on Tuesday, so it would have happened last either last Wednesday or last Thursday. St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, there was a bank robbery that took place, which then ended up, devolving into a hostage situation. Now, fortunately, it was all resolved. Um, Everyone got out okay, and uh, no one was killed. But it echoed a number of things from the film, including the robber wanting pizzas being sent in, and a point where he started throwing money out the front door. Maybe it was just a a really good uh, piece of timing. I mean, when was the original robbery? Uh, that was 1972. So that was nearly, what, 50 years ago? Is that right? Nearly 50 years? Okay. Because if it would have been, say, 10 years ago, we'd be talking about a completely different film altogether. Yes, we very likely would do. Because we are going to be celebrating in this little section here an anniversary that the first Thor movie reached number one in the UK. Can you believe Oh, I know. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like that long ago, but yet it is. It's hard to imagine Thor not being under the Disney banner, but this was before Marvel took over, uh, or before Marvel was taken over by Disney. So yeah, it was Universal, wasn't it? This one? Uh, no, this was Paramount. Was this one? Ah, yes, of course, because Universal was the Hulk. Yes. Yeah. And I, I was looking over the first Thor movie the other day, and it's like, how fresh-faced is Chris Hemsworth? He's a bit chubby in the face back then. Well, he was. And also, if you notice, they dyed his eyebrows. <laughs> they dyed his eyebrows blonde. So he, he kind of looks a lot different than he did in the later movie, simply because you can't see his eyebrows. I didn't stare into his eyes that much, Steve. Well, thank you very much for this information. I have noticed it popping up recently. There's a, a little excerpt from, I think it's Variety or something like that from about 10 years ago saying how the Thor movie is going forward with unknowns of yes. uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. Now, of course, now everyone knows them. But back then, they were unknowns. No one had any idea who these people were. 
Hiddleston was actually in a play with Kenneth Branagh not even a year before Branagh got the Thor project. Okay, so they were doing Theotar. Theotar. And uh, I think Tom Hiddleston had made a, a joke to Kenneth Branagh when, they'd f when he found out that he was going to be directing Thor. And Kenneth Branagh was like, well, you never know, dear. And then suddenly, you know, he's he's tossed out there in the Loki role and has now become, you know, world famous. He's got the Loki series debuting, is it next month? I think it's next month. Yeah, I think it's like the 9th of June, something like that. Yeah, they've moved it up, haven't they, by a couple of days. Yeah. So it's a midweek show, so it'll be shown on a Wednesday. I still am slightly boggled by the fact that it was a Kenneth Branagh joint. Uh, it, it didn't surprise <laughs> me at all because he was a fan of the Thor comics. I uh, know, but it, if you think of if you think of you know Kenneth Branagh, he's big. Um, period? No, what do you what do you call it? Not period dramas. You uh, kind um, of historical yeah, Shakespearean. That kind of stuff. Legitimate acting, shall we say. And he ends up directing uh, a film about uh, a blonde Norse demigod that throws a hammer around. Have your hammer touched you off? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he That's had my... a very special relationship with that hammer. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can see how um, it, it kind of ties in with Branagh's work because, you know, I have seen the four-hour version of Hamlet and, of course, Henry V as well, and it that Thor mythology really does kind of tie in. Obviously, Thor is very, you know, Norse and, you know, the Norse mythology and things like that, but it ties in with that kind of Shakespearean work of, you know, family betrayal and, you know, that, that kind of quest of finding out who you are, which is what the four, first four film was all about. Yeah, I'd say definitely in terms of Hamlet. Definitely in terms of Hamlet. But, you know, it had other surprises that it came right down to the line between Chris and Liam on the Hemsworth side for who was going to be Thor. But yeah, Liam kind of got to play on that because didn't he play Thor in the the little um, he did. in joke? Yes. He did in uh, Ragnarok. Liam ended up playing Thor and of course Matt Damon ended up playing Loki. <laughs> and Sam Neill as uh, Odin. <laughs> yeah. I, was... I, I love that. I really truly do love that section. And I've got to be honest, I was not a fan of the first Thor film or the second one, which I just thought was, I just thought it was a bit grey and dull and it didn't have much personality to it. And then Taika Waititi came on with uh, Ragnarok and I absolutely adored it. Yeah, Thor really found his way with uh, Taika Waititi mm. right, behind, the, behind the reins. The first Thor film, I love it. Right, I have got to admit, I I do love it. Uh, the second one, uh, the Dark World, I saw once. I think I've got to watch it again. I can't remember much about it to be honest. But also, people don't tend to realise, Rene Rousseau hadn't worked in six years prior no. to Thor. No, she'd been pregnant, hadn't she? Yeah, she she stepped out to kind of concentrate on family, and I was thinking, when the hell was the last time I saw her? prior to that and i'm sure it was something like there was an eddie murphy robert de niro vehicle called showtime i think she was in and i had trouble remembering after that what she'd been in and i haven't even looked it up you know i'm relying on my uh, mental ability which is not strong but yeah it's it's weird to think that she had not acted 
for six years leading up to that. I really, I really liked the casting on it. All, yeah, all across the board. You know, I, I imagine that if they'd have made Thor in the nineties, when they were, I think the original plan of making a Thor movie would have come on, they would have gone with someone like Val Kilmer, right? I reckon Val would have just yeah. absolutely rocked it. But speaking of which. That is our other anniversary for this week because it's the 30th anniversary of The Doors. Ooh. Oliver Stone's movie. Ooh, not seen it. <clears throat> uh, well, this one is probably not going to be in the box. I w- I'll give you the lowdown here. For, for me personally, it's not a great film. Okay, it doesn't hold up with Oliver Stone's greatest film. In fact, some of the actual band members of The Doors have called it just this wild exaggeration of uh, that kind of lifestyle. It's, it's done in Oliver Stone's way. It's very surreal in places. But it did put Val Kilmer on the map, in my opinion, as a leading man. No, I will give it that. I have seen... I, I haven't seen the whole film, but I have seen little clips and everything. Uh, he does look like Jim Morrison. Oh, yeah. Hell of you a know, lot. He put a hell of a lot of research into that role. And he was practically living as Jim Morrison leading up to it. He, he adopted all of the mannerisms. I remember the uh, biographer, uh, Jim Morrison's biographer, actually met with Oliver Stone and Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer arrived in character and uh, his biographer was just totally blown away. I think he mentioned something like he'd forgotten how tall Jim Morrison was. <laughs> and that's how sold he was on Val Kilmer. Didn't Val Kilmer end up living in the same apartment in Paris for a while that Jim Morrison had? I think so. I, I think that was the story going around from my recollection. Uh, but I do know that um, Val pretty much did uh, a lot of the, the kind of lifestyle. I'm not saying he got into the drugs and, and stuff like that. I know that the drink that was around was actually just coloured water. Uh, I don't know whether that's down to maybe Val not being into alcohol or whatever. Or it could just be the fact that they didn't want a load of piss people on the set. Yeah, I do remember that, that obviously one of the biggest stories when The Doors came out uh, was that Val, I think, broke his arm by doing um, the stage dive stunt himself, right? Which, which is in the film. And he's had this elbow growth since. And it's very noticeable in the Michael Mann film Heat, which is one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, when Robert De Niro uh, comes back to his house and he sees Val Kilmer asleep on his floor after falling out with his wife, you can actually see uh, the scarring from the elbow growth his arm that he actually got from that Ooh. stage dive stunt because the stuntman failed to catch him, apparently, uh, when he'd done the stage dive. If it's that noticeable on film, that must have been a pretty serious injury. It was pretty serious. And um, The thing is, when I've seen that stage dive in the film and it reminded me of a time when I was at film school or university which was film school basically uh, and Coolio the rapper came to perform at our university oh uh, no, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, this story is out there on the internet and I was there it's brilliant so Coolio comes and he's obviously performing Gangster's Paradise and see when you get there uh, they, they were the two main songs. I don't think we knew any of the other songs. Um, for some strange reason, he decided to do a stage dive. And no one caught him. He landed with this huge thud on the ground. Oh, right? 
dear. And being in Staffordshire, what's the greatest thing that could happen is not just people not catching him on a stave dive, it's the fact that people robbed him on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they robbed his chains. They robbed one of his shoes. They dived in like a pack of hyenas and stole loads of shit and then left him there. And it was so hilarious. I didn't expect it to become proper news. It's on his own Wikipedia page. You go on Wikipedia and you look at the Staffordshire University incident. How close Uh, were you? What did you nick? I was at the bar. I was at the bar area uh, because I was a student then and an alcoholic. So uh, I was watching him and I saw... I kind of half saw this stage dive from my peripheral vision. I definitely heard the thud. (laughs) Over the crowd? (laughs) Well, he had the microphone in his hand. (laughs) So you you heard this thud and then the high-pitchedness of this microphone. And um, then just people were just swarming in. I thought, oh, my God, they're they're trying to help him. No, they were robbing his ass. I've got his wallet. (laughs) Yeah. And then it made headlines. So every time that I kind of see this stage dive or any stage dive, I'm just like, oh, I've seen probably the greatest stage dive fail ever. But it wasn't even the biggest story of the week because the the long-awaited Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer, complete with new Woody Harrelson hairstyle. Yeah, he sounds like he's constantly got a lump of tobacco in his mouth. Someone needs to tell him that his Larry Flint role was like 25 years ago. I know. I've got to be honest, I saw the trailer. I was just very nonplussed by it. Yes, and we went to see the first Venom movie. Yeah, we did. Uh, In the morning, we we were probably the only ones there, apart from one other guy who was sat there drooling and looking at us. (laughs) uh... The Macintosh over his lap. Um, Yeah. No, it's, I, I saw the yeah we saw the first one. Um, it, it was, <laughs> that's got you now, hasn't it? Yeah, so sorry. That just really tickled me. Yeah, when we went to see the first one, I remember we were sat there thinking, "Wow, this film must be going on for ages because they haven't even introduced Venom yet, and it's like forty-five minutes in." I know. And then, and then suddenly the end happens, and it's like. Did we fall asleep for half an hour, or did that guy rehypnol us? <laughs> I know it's like it's it is missing the almost the entirety of the second act. Just went from the first act to the third act, and then that was it. It, it was a case of wow, it's actually building up. You know, this, they're giving a lot of time to really focus on Tom Hardy's character and stuff like that, and then suddenly it was like shit. Was that the end already? Yeah. What happened? You know, <laughs> this felt. It felt like they were getting along and then an executive from Sony stepped in and said, are you getting to the point or what? We, we want to see symbiotes fighting each other and shit. Well, it certainly looks like there's going to be enough of that in the Let There Be Carnage trailer at least. I, I hold out all the kind of hope in the world because Venom and Carnage are my two of my favourite ever Marvel characters and I want to see them done justice. So, all fingers crossed. i tell you what though. If you need to work out what it is that you want to watch over the weekend and there's way too much choice, then you could do better than to nominate five. Now's the time to nominate five. Nominate five? 
Yes, nominate five, or three, or four, or six, or nine. Now is the time to nominate five. Okay. So as a bit of a difference here for today's Nominate 5, as we haven't had a regular guest this week, uh, we will next week, mm -hmm. uh, I decided to call on a very special friend for a very special segment that we are going to call Live and Let's Fly. Ooh, we've got some Bond-style music, which is Bond-style, but it isn't actually Bond. Please don't sue us, MGM. <laughs> yes. This is, uh, whilst we've experienced this last year, uh, No Time to Die, or as we like to call it, No Time to Ever Get Released. No. We decided to provide a little bit of a different insight to you Bond fanatics out there. I called on a good friend of mine who is a travel consultant. Her name is Liz Rush, or Busy Lizzie, as we like to call her. And she is the number one person in the world I say, if you want a movie location-style holiday booking, she's the person to do it. Lizzie, hi, how are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. How are you? Me? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank yeah, you very much very for joining good. us today. Good to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, the Nominate 5 that you got for us this week, as Andy said, is all kind of bon Bond locations. Now, you run your own travel business so you must have seen yes. more than just those you must have seen all kinds oh without doubt and i'm a massive bond fan as well um so not only you know do i enjoy the adrenaline rush of car chases ski stunts daniel craig in tight clothes but because i'm totally addicted to travel i particularly love the location so i'm always on the lookout to know where it's going to be filmed next and obviously, there's always some surprises when when you see the premiere um, of locations you didn't know about. So it's just my real passion. Well, I learn new things about you all the time. I never knew that you were into bondage, but here we go. We are going to <laughs> oh, count hey! down. See, my segues are just getting better and better. You had to go there, didn't you? I had to. I had to. And speaking of going there, let's start with the countdown at number five, Liz. What is number five? on your ideal Bond holidays. So number one starts with Venice and Lake Como in Italy. They were featured in Casino Royale, so another one of um, Daniel Craig's films as Bond. Um, in particular, Villa Bianiello, which is in Lake Como. And that was, if you remember, the exclusive hospital where Bond recovered. Absolutely stunning villa. I've been there myself, looking over Lake Como. It's absolutely beautiful. It is a um, and Venice, place. It is, isn't yeah, it? They filmed a lot of um, stuff for Attack of the Clones there. All the big yeah. outside sweeping stuff, which was supposed to be on Naboo. It looks absolutely stunning. I'm so jealous that you managed to go there. Oh, yes. I went there in, I think it was 2009, something like that. And there was just um, constant sunshine and mountains all around, glistening sun on the lake. It was just absolutely idyllic. I would definitely recommend that place. Beautiful. Okay. Next on our travel itinerary, Liz, what do we have? So number two is Solden in Austria. And this was the location um, for Spectre. Um, and so there was a fantastic ski stunt and uh, helicopter and there was also the scientific headquarters. If you remember that ice building right on the top of the Alps. 
Oh, it looked yeah. as if it was going to collapse. It was, it, yeah. So I've been there myself as well. And skiing is another area that I specialize in in terms of group ski trips or snowboarding. Um, and that particular location is the highest road in the Alps. I'm sensing a Daniel Craig theme going on here, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, they're all Daniel Craig. So maybe I'll just not even mention him now. <laughs> do, 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 do you Put know the that image there are of other trunks bonds? out of your mind? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try but it's very very difficult <laughs> okay so yeah. what about next where are we going for number three number three is Glencoe in Bonnie Old Scotland and it Beautiful. was the film uh, yeah do you remember Skyfall do you remember of the course. stunning mountains yes. oh good old blighty so not only do I sell holidays all over the world but obviously in the UK too and that is one of my favourite locations um you know, um, a trip that I could build with someone could involve Fort William. You could have um, deep fried Mars bar there. Um, I would also recommend the, the Jacobite Ex Express, um, which, built, uh, which was featured in uh, Harry Potter over the Glenfinnan uh, Viaduct. It's just a beautiful part of the world. If you like climbing, you can also go up Ben Nevis. So that's where I'd like to suggest as the third location. Beautiful. And it was also the location for Highlander. There's a little plug for you, Russell, just for you. <laughs> oh, you're sneaking them in already, aren't you? I am. I am. I'm sneaking them in. Okay, well, what number are we up to now? Is it four or two? Uh, this... It doesn't even matter. What, what's, where's next? Yes, so number four is Matera in Italy, which is in the Basilicata, the foot of Italy. Um, and this is going to be um, the location of A Time to Die, which, as you know, is going to be released this year now instead of last year. I have tickets they for say. the premiere. They say, exactly. Hold yes, on, hold on, hold on. You've, you've got tickets for the premiere? Well, not the, pre the premiere in Bolton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was picturing you there rubbing shoulders going, Mr. Craig. Yes. <laughs> you got the oh, really, the really rubbing the shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you've yeah, got to go to the... Bolton. No time to die. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, maybe I over embellish that a little bit. But uh, this is at the foot of Italy. So, of all of Italy, I could recommend every single place. I've travelled wi widely in Italy. And this is one place I've not been to yet, Basilicata. So, I want to go there and I would recommend it to... Um, customers because you could go to Matera where this is where the film location is and it's a town of cave dwellings and it's carved into a mountainside uh, this particular place was evacuated in the 50s it's one of those beautiful cave dwelling towns built on the mountainside but it's it was evacuated it was it's like the other place in I think it's in Cyprus isn't it where it, it's just um, it's deserted but it's a fabulous yeah, it's like a ghost um, town fabulous area yes exactly that so um yeah that would be number four uh, and italy as you can tell has featured twice already in this list nice well, a beautiful we, location yeah it's, yes, it's, it's very it's... scenic used for a lot of movies mm. so now this has got me mm. really quizzical as to where the last location would be because you've covered quite a lot of the daniel craig areas there and it's got me wondering <laughs> i mean we've got a finish the cycle with some Daniel Craigisms. So what do we have for our final location list? Oh, big build up. So it is Mexico City. Yes. Yay. <laughs> now I know you've been here, Steve. I you? have. Tell me about it. Yeah. I have. Yes. I've actually, I've actually been to Mexico City. It is one of the 
Mexico as a whole is a country of contrasts. You've got rich and poor, you've got modern and old, and it, everything kind of comes together in a contrast, and nothing sells that more than Mexico City. You've yeah. got incredible... Sorry, I'm, I'm taking this away from you. I'm going to... No, <laughs> sorry, please you do. Carry on. Share the love. No, Share I... the love. You've, you've got wonderfully you've got wonderfully huge skyscrapers made of glass and then you've got all the the colonial um, buildings that are on the hills you've got big parks oh. there but then you've got all the favelas outside of it but then outside of that you've got places like Teotihuacan which are the old state pyramids and of oh. course going back to James Bond we've got the uh, the connection with Dia de Muertos the day of the dead. Hey. Exactly that. So uh, that was filmed in Mexico City, and um, you know you can act it for the film Spectre, and it was on at the weekend. Actually, I don't know if you saw it. I made sure I watched the very beginning. Um, the, you have the you have the chases through the city. You have all the festivities going on. Everybody dressed in the uh, you know in the costumes, highly made up and obviously it's celebrating Day of the Dead, so it's loved ones who've passed over, and that's on All Souls Day, it's the day after Halloween every year. Uh, I believe that Spectre actually um, enticed the Mexican government to bring in the parade as, a, as, a, as an annual celebration. Yeah, that's um, true. They haven't done it for years. It's, it's done in other places in, in Mexico, isn't it? But not in Mexico City. So that's 2015, I believe. It's usually done as more of a, as more of a smaller family get-together more than anything else mm -hmm. and it was here right. that they had the whole parade and like you say it made them think oh okay there might be something in this yeah so we we booked to go actually i think we were supposed to go in 2019 and 20 and it's it's moved on and moved on but you can do an organized tour where they you know you, you get to do the parade you meet the locals you get to really experience the uh the atmosphere and the and the and the celebration so yeah it's definitely on it's definitely on my bucket list and I recommend it to to people who you know just fascinated by the culture and want to see those fantastic beautiful buildings and colonial architecture I agree yeah I so just want everyone go. to go to Mexico it's a great place <laughs> so there you definitely. go for all of you people who have no time to wait for the next James Bond installment no time to fly <laughs> no, no well you can have all the time to fly you need to live and let fly and liz is the person who can make those very special movie location dreams come true she is very very good at what she does uh, i will even add a little tidbit here it is thanks to liz and her efforts that i got my last movie project underway in los angeles a couple of years ago which we're hopefully going to be filming this year but if it was liz's efforts of actually putting that kind of flight together for me on the limited resources that i had but i made it there i got uh, the deal done and it's a big thanks to liz so it's very good to have her on the show here today and be yes, able to get these kind of holidays and you know Liz is the person who is there 100% of the way making sure everything works out fine. And I think I've, I've just sold you there, Liz, but tell <laughs> us a little bit about your business, where people can find you, how they can get in touch with you, and you know the kind of inquiries that you're looking for. Will do. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate the feedback on that. And just to say that nothing makes me happier than, you know, a, 
um, helping someone achieve their dream. So it might have been just a, a transaction for me to arrange the flights, but actually it's so much more to you, isn't it? So that gives me great job satisfaction too. So for anyone else who's looking to um, have someone help them plan their holiday, whether it's a little bit of help or just take over and do the lot and while you're working or where, when you're spending quality time with loved ones, I'm available. Um, you can WhatsApp me, um, you can go on my Facebook page, which is Busy Lizzie, not just travel. Um, I'm available on LinkedIn and you can call my um, number anytime, which is 0161 240 That is absolutely perfect. That helps. Liz, <laughs> we will put uh, a link on our Partywood page also. Yep. So that uh, mm -hmm. you can find Liz direct through her Facebook page. And thank you very much for coming on here. And we hope to speak to you again soon for another round of Live and Let's Fly. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. So, do you want to get away at any point? It would be nice. Don't think we're going abroad, but, you know, to the cinema, the seaside, or something like that. Or a cinema by the seaside. A cinema by the seaside. And don't forget, you can take your own sweets in. They will not stop you. No. Although they may just ask, What's in the box? 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 Goddamn, that might have been the best segue I've ever heard you use. I wasn't Thank even you. expecting that. Roar. I'm that quite proud genius. of that one myself. <laughs> Never mind what's in the box. What's at the bottom of that popcorn? You don't want to find out. As it was dog day afternoon last week. Yes. As per usual, for Steve's education, we use what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Now, basically, what's going to happen is in a moment, Andy is going to put his hand into a box, and the box is full of different movies, which are all certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, or as he insists on calling it, tomatoes. Let's call the whole thing off. And then he's going to take out a film. If I have seen it, then it goes to one side and he picks out another one. If I haven't seen it, then I go away and I watch that the night before we record our next podcast. Simple. Easy. It couldn't be any simpler. So, Steve. What have you got for me, Andy? Let's have a reach in the box. Drum roll, please. I reach around. Okay. The choice for today's What's in the Box is Mikhail Hafstrom's Stephen King short story that is basically pulled into a full-length film, 1408. Seen it. Oh, yep, <laughs> seen it. Seen it with the two different endings. Sorry, three different endings. So, yeah. Oh, now you're just showing off. Okay. <laughs> Do you know how far down I reached in for that? Right, okay. Right, here we go. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I, would, I literally scraped the bottom of the barrel for that one. We're only By on the, the way, third people... episode. <laughs> yes. By the way, people... Out there, if you haven't seen 1408, you know, just because Steve has seen it yeah. and all of its multiple endings that thankfully he didn't give away, please go and watch it, okay? Yeah. I'll take a recommendation. Uh, just, just a quick review. Um, I thought the actual story itself was really good, but some of the effects are a bit shonky. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Are you ready? Go on, for number two. Number two says, you are going to watch Surf's Up. The Penguin movie. Yes. No, I haven't seen it. 
Good. Because yeah. that is what you are watching. Sh show the beef. Jeff Bridges, Zooey Deschanel, and James Woods as well. Wow. You know, when you said that you were going to be educating on me on films, I honestly wasn't expecting you to pull out an animated Penguin movie. Yeah, be, be lucky it wasn't Happy Feet. That's true. And no, I, having said that, well, I have seen Happy Feet. Oh, take that one out of the box. Okay. But no, you've got Surf's Up. Uh, that is your choice for this week. And we invite everyone at home to watch Surf's Up. It's a kid's movie, but it is a hilarious kid's movie. All right, then. And uh, you will enjoy it. And then Steve will give his feedback on it next week. Yeah, so basically now you've got two things that you can watch if you're paying attention. We've got Surf's Up, which I'll be watching. And you can join in the conversation about Surf's Up uh, over on Facebook at uh, Poddywood, on Twitter at Poddywood, just all over the social medias. But as well as that, you can also watch 1408. We can maybe have a discussion about that online as well. Yes. Well, next week we will hopefully be having a guest with us. Uh, we will confirm that throughout the week. Mm -hmm. uh, you will see it on all of the social media pages. Uh, I know that we do have someone preliminary booked in. Obviously, we will make sure that they are before we mention it. Yes. And hopefully, the person who is supposed to join us for this week is back in the line. They will be back with us soon enough. It was an unfortunate scheduling conflict that came up last minute. And naturally, we don't want to prevent anyone from going to work. So, okay, so we will be back next week uh, with the guest. Uh, what guest is it going to be? Well, you're going to have to find out. Ooh. In the meantime, if you really, really like the show and you want to support us, you can hop over to patreon.com forward slash Pottywood, where you can check out longer versions of these shows by simply joining and subscribing and being very, very generous with your time and your money. It helps us. Yes, it does. For now, though. I have been Steve Hester. And I have always been Andrew Roger Carson, but you know that. And we will see you next time. Bye.